you from inside the Waterson Expressway. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. Gabe, we're going to... We're going to talk about a lot of depressing shit in this episode. I I have that that, that feeling. There's a lot on the table here. There's a lot going on, uh, a lot of not fun stuff. We are recording this on a Wednesday evening. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about some things, NCAA, Amy McGrath, some other stuff. Uh, But, Chris, we want to keep it light to start out. Yeah. Well, we want to give you a full, like, spoiler alert. Um, If you haven't seen season three of Stranger Things, you can uh, skip the audio. Um, right yeah. here because we're going to talk a little bit Stranger Things obviously like the, the season premiered on July 4th I would assume that most of you probably flew through the season by July 5th um, yeah I mean I, I was done by the 6th I have, yeah. I have a child so it was like <laughs> yeah Gabe has a child and they did it two days so that's pretty impressive I, I think I, I did it all in one day but it may have been July 6th so um, yeah. So, what were your what were wait? Your just, I'm gonna let every every I'm gonna let everyone know. I'm gonna put uh, if you look into the show notes, you can see a timestamp of when this is over, just so you know when you can go ahead and start. <laughs> if you yeah, have no, it by chance, uh, no kidding. And you've had a week to to watch it almost now. So yeah, what do you? Uh, what are my thoughts? You want me to go first? I can go. Yeah. Just I mean, like uh, my my general like uh, open the conversation is like. I feel that that Stranger Things has has placed itself in this position where we're never going to look at it and be like, this is one of the greatest shows of all time. Right. But it benefits from that. Like, of course. It, it's a weird, like, weird, like, it, it benefits from, from getting people that don't like sci-fi to come watch this show and then people that love sci-fi to be, like, all about it as well. Of course. But, and kind of the same like window you're never going to look at it and be like you know this is this is the wire this is this is game of thrones right. this is breaking bad right but uh, season three was was fitting um it, it was good I, I don't know how much i was like particularly blown away with anything in general um i i, I know you may have enjoyed it a little bit more than me um but th- that's what i'm curious just to hear what your kind of thoughts were i thought one thing before I do, I thought kind of making Dustin like a singular like like person like away from the friend group was like a genius genius move. Oh yeah, um, I, I did kind of enjoy like giving him the opportunity to stand on his own. That's one like big like take that I have away. But 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 go ahead. Like I I, I yeah. want to hear what you think. No, just to underline sort of what you said. I think like when I talk about Stranger Things, the only, the biggest word that comes to mind is fun. It's just really fun. It's a fun show. And you're absolutely right. I'm never going to compare Stranger Things to The Wire. I think we're at the point of Stranger Things where, and I I don't recall if you're a Game of Thrones, if you're a Game of Thrones person. I've never seen it. I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. So I think we got to a point of Game of Thrones where it was incredibly fun but like at its best moments would creep into those levels of very high prestige television i was like man this is just incredibly excellently made even though sometimes the story wouldn't follow up with with that level of quality it certainly didn't in the end but i think we're at this point in stranger things where the fun to me is almost as much as game of thrones but for sure yeah 
quality in terms of this is not prestige television. But you're absolutely right. To, you, you mentioned Dustin because like the Scoops Ahoy squad of Dustin and um, and Steve and um, it's just. No, that, that, that and Robin. Was, that, Robin was her name, right? The girl. The yeah, yeah. And Erica, um, uh, Lucas's sister. It's just like they were just the MVPs. They were if if this was like uh, if this was the John Calipari platoon squad. These are the starters. You're putting this squad out first. <laughs> this yeah, squad, I mean, the, the 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 Harrison twins. You're putting these guys out first. <laughs> I I think like just like from a from a creative direction, that was like one of my favorite things that I noticed in the show. Um, beyond just like the random cameos that they did with Eleven, just looking like a total badass. There there were a few a few that come to mind uh, that I can't really point to, but just pinpointing on that more, more than ever. I think it was definitely like better than season two. I I didn't enjoy like seeing like kind of the internal battles within the friend group of, of growing up, but still like being pulled by, you know, like the youth things. Uh, There was the constant uh, dungeon of the dragons references throughout the show and it was um, i think i think i was listening to another podcast talk about stranger things and it, they kind of noted we're in this like weird moment that like the things that stranger things is like promoting about the 80s are like still very popular yeah right so like all the things that have happened in the 80s you know like 85 like you know Back to the Future still an incredibly well-regarded film. You know, right. basically, I've seen all these tweets joking that, like, the way that Hopper, like, dresses now is how people dress. In. You're typical, yeah. It's just, like, I, I I will admit I dress like that pretty often. I wear right. a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. Like, it's just, that's, that's my swag on Fridays. <laughs> and, um, and even just the, what the way they kind of captured uh you know being a, a kid and going to the mall i mean i i did that i, I went to st matthew's mall and, and oxmoor mall and well, i mean it, i mean having having it's all a the same. Show, <laughs> having a show that you can kind of feel like you're growing up with is rewarding oh absolutely. you haven't got that from i mean i, mean, I don't I, it's hard for me to like make these gross comments on game of thrones because i haven't seen it but i don't feel like you necessarily got that with game of thrones oh no no uh, but so getting that from a show is unique and i and i thought oh, take a breath major spoiler alert. okay yeah major if, major if, spoiler if alert. you haven't been listening we're gonna i was like when are we gonna talk about this <laughs> yeah picking, picking two off you know hopper to in the show was probably the perfect character to do it to i think that was that that was just so you i mean so, it sounds like you believe he's he's gone for good. Yeah, I mean, me and the me and the girlfriend had some uh, you know debate about that. Um, but I I kind of I remember the the very like you know the the breakaway scene or whatever and about the Russian saying the Amer- no not the American right. or whatever and that probably brings up the the controversy about that. But I do I, I do think that. See, I don't. I, I don't, it's cool to leave with that cliffhanger. I think it's great, and like the, the, I've read everything that the creators have like come out with since, and it's pretty clear they're just like we're messing with you, and like clearly <laughs> like trying to mess with you. I do think that the American they mention is not him. 
is yeah. maybe cause I remember in season two, they talk about Eleven's like Papa, the guy uh, was named Brenner. who was played mm-hmm. by Matthew Modine in season one. He's still alive. Quote unquote. That's what the uh, Eleven sister says. So I, I think, you know, that could be, that, that could be him. I, I, what I've been like pointing people to is if you go back and watch the final scene where he's like, where Joyce, uh, Winona Ryder is giving the the letter over. We see the letter reading happen twice. So Joyce gives the letter to Eleven. Mm-hmm. She reads it, and then she moves. She go ahead and she moves, and they say their goodbye. And then we come back to that room, and we hear Hopper's voiceover. So like it happens twice and there's a few sentences right. in the, not to get super Reddit slash <laughs> stranger things on like RA ambition right now. I know. <laughs> what a deep cut. RA ambition. Legend. Um, Legend forever. Uh, but there's a few sentences where he says, I want, you know, I want to take things back to the way they were. Right. And as, it, as I mentioned before, back to the future is, heavily referenced in this season no no kidding more so you bringing it up really kind of points it out more than i even thought it was and i i sincerely i don't i i I agree with you i thought that losing him was like narratively really important and i think it's really important for 11 to be in a state of i don't understand who i am anymore for the next season which presumably is the last one i don't i don't know if they can keep the kids around for much longer so it would definitely make sense that that would be the last one. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I, I, I think he's going to be in the final season. I don't think it's going to be like episode one. He's still alive. You know, I think it's going to take a little bit and maybe there's time travel involved. And also the last sentence of the letter, he says, keep the door open three inches, which could either refer to the fact that he, you got to leave the door open that he could come back or the fact that, maybe he jumped into the gate because it was still a little bit open. Now you sound very ready. I, I sound very our ambition. So that's... Hey, you throw it on a ready, you're getting 100 <laughs> upvotes immediately. Before we move on, I, I do want to like make a special shout out. Um, I don't. Dragonfly Jones was talking about the best albums of the decade or whatever, and that's a hell of a discussion. Oh, we're probably going to have to have it. We're going to have to have that. that. We could have a whole podcast for that. But it is the seven-year anniversary of Channel Orange, so I just wanted Pleasure. to like give some moment to to let that kind of marinate because like that whole collective. I, I've been thinking about this for like the last probably like since Tyler released like his newest album, which was. Uh, it, it I enjoyed good. it a lot, but it's not, it wasn't a sticker. It wasn't right, a right, sticker. Right. But I, I, I've been thinking about like that whole collective and what's came out of that was like kind of one of the coolest developments of the, the kind of the later part of this decade from no you know, 2015 to 2019. Even before that, just the odd future stuff. Like right. it, it, it was fantastic just to watch them like grow and, and come up with all these. I mean, even Vince kind of comes out of that. So it's yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah, so just an acknowledgement there. Um, look forward to that podcast because that is something we're that we're having have to have. a special album of the decade podcast. <laughs> yeah, hopefully That's we good. can make some lo- local references in there at some point. But oh, um, yeah, yeah well, we got to do that. We got to do that, and uh, that yeah, that was fun. Yeah, let's. <laughs> 
we got to talk about the sad stuff, though, Chris. <laughs> we got to talk about the sad stuff. We, we do, man. It's funny. We've tweeted a few times today that we legitimately, like, we, we were going to record. I was like, let's record Monday. I, I, I DM'd you on Monday. I was like, uh, let's record. And, like, I think we should wait Wednesday because something's going to happen between now and then that we're going to want to talk the about. The spidey senses were tingling. The spidey tingling, senses man. were tingling. And two things happened. The first of which is breaking news is it literally broke like five thirty six o'clock this evening. And that is we have our first notice of allegations from the NCAA uh, in response to the FBI investigation that went to NC State. It's funny because I think the, C- <laughs> yeah. the CBS article said that there was going to be two notices of allegations this month that they were going to be uh, two quote unquote high ranking programs or high prestige programs. And uh, I don't know if you'd consider NC State, a big win for them. They're a high prestige program. But nonetheless, it's kind of what we expected, Chris. Uh, they re- they got a, uh, a charge, uh, failure to monitor, which is what Louisville got uh, to the Katina Gate uh, scandal, and then a level one head coach control violation um, related to Gottfried, and then also the assistant uh, coach uh, whose name is escaping me at this point. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me either. I don't have it in front of me. Oh, he wish is, I did. Uh, I think it's Orlando something. Orlando Early. Uh, he is also um, he's also got a violation. So two big violations for NC State proper, but NC State is in an interesting position, Chris, because uh, they're kind of in the same spot that Louisville is, where they don't have the same basketball coach, the same assistants, same AD. So what was your general thought? I mean, we knew this was coming. What was your general reaction to to hear? I mean, seeing it being anyone other than Louisville was cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in general, it was like, I I don't know how much that changes, like, the position that Louisville is in, or I I never really bought into, oh, you better hope you're not one of those first schools. I know. I never really bought into that much. I'm not going to say I do now, but – Mobile not being at the forefront of something like this is cool, and having Mark Godfrey at the forefront of it is hilarious. Just know he's just chilling out in Cal State, just reading this, and and I don't know. I just love that. the The interesting thing for me is that what you said. I mean, this is a very similar situation to how Mobile is going to be viewed. So the cool thing is, once this once this investigation is finished. Presumably, it'll be finished before Louisville's is. You'll kind of have an idea of how, you know, the NCAA is going to deal with with some of these punishments, right. and I and I guess that's kind of kind of good because you you know that you're not going to get caught blindfolded by whatever the NCAA decides to do with Louisville to kind of wrap this thing up. Um, but I, it does like for some weird reason, it does give me a little bit of a glimmer of hope and we yeah. can, we can talk about it, but it, it did seem like there was a huge concentration on going after these coaches. And if that's the case, there's, there's guys out there that the NCAA would have a lot of focus on like Will Wade, Bill Self and, and things like that. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm perfectly fine with this being prolonged as long as possible. I, uh- yeah, people, I'm right there. People, people can say they want it over, but it, when it comes to me, I I don't care if this thing gets wrapped up till 2023. <laughs> they can keep going. Yeah, I definitely I, I agree with you on all points. You know, you mentioned that 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 
that focus on the coaches. And that's something that Pat Forty mentioned in his article. Yeah. He said, quote, in broader terms, this could signal an effort by the NCAA to pin responsibility on those who have been the most evasive targets in these cheating scandals, the head coaches. And of course, we've been through a lot of these coaches, as you mentioned, Will Wade, uh, Sean Miller. Um, Dana Altman, Bill, Bill Self. Self. Oh, uh, they know where the bodies are buried. And yeah. and they have generally you know, kind of escaped any kind of scrutiny long term so i completely agree with you it does it weirdly gives me a bit of hope which i hate having when it comes to ncaa things but you know this this definitely is going to be the litmus test of course you know the, we have the fact that louisville's on probation quote unquote still i just i don't it really does seem and this is this is me looking at the glass half full but it, it does feel like it would be incredibly a bad look for the NCAA if they punish these, um, you know, they punish these schools who have who have tried to clean up, and literally, like, there's literally no one at NC State and Louisville who have anything to do with what happened anymore. Like, yeah, and I, and I mean, something that hasn't really been discussed, I don't know, very at length, is it, it seems like to me that there is this is like an important time in general for the NCA because you just had John Beeline in the middle of nowhere like <laughs> get up and leave and basically say that he was kind of tired of dealing with the things that are going on in the NCA tired of the you know the turnover tired of kind of all the bullshit yeah nonetheless so I I do think like there are other coaches that kind of feel that um, that kind of feel the same way that he echoed. Yeah, you you don't just make those statements being one of the leading coaches in in college basketball and not have other people that feel that way. I, I don't think so. I feel I think it's very important. I mean, it's it's never mattered before, but I think it does kind of matter now. What perception the NCAA leaves with with the way they handle this this whole thing? I completely I mean, agree. There's never been. Uh, there's certainly never been a situation like this in our lifetime to where uh, you know how they handle something like this is going to have lasting impact for you know decades to come. It it, it truly is. It, it feels like we're at a crescendo with all of this. Yeah, we're at a turning uh, point, especially with yeah. the NCAA even talking about potentially thinking about image rights. I, I, right. I, I think we're at a point where the NCAA is going to have to evolve yeah they're gonna have to evolve and they're gonna have to put a coda they're gonna have to put an end to this era and and i don't i don't think they can walk into the next era with with the baggage and they're gonna have to leave all the baggage behind and and i think the programs that have gotten rid of that baggage ready um hopefully i mean us us being mobile fans hopefully uh they're they're kind of shined upon a little bit and and, and kind of given the kind of go around like it's okay you know you, you did what you needed to do already you did what we were going to do already <laughs> so right yeah i mean i i just don't know like uh, what what other perception you can send if you just kind of deal with this all in in a vacuum and you treat the the teams the same way as you treat the ones that have got rid of you know most of the regime you just you simply can't yeah. do that yeah. and I mean, I mean there's there's no other worse punishment than giving someone a postseason ban and you know taking away a few banners so what else are you gonna do? Yeah, and let's, you know, let's let's speak to – it is a fool's errand to predict what the NCAA is right. doing. Right, and that's why we shy let's, away from it. Yeah, let's, but let's, you know, let's lend an ear to the people who are 
listening to this podcast right now and saying the NCAA is going to hammer us. You guys are playing dumb. Uh, don't believe anything like that. So if we want to look at how the NCAA, I believe, and I don't know if you agree, Chris, looked at the Katina case, they looked at it from a perspective, a perspective point of view. They couldn't let Louisville get away with having strippers in a dorm room. The perception of that and just getting a slap on the wrist, no matter the rules, no matter the fact that only $1,000 changed hands and how that affects the NCAA rule buck. I get it. You know, we, we know that. We know the ins and outs of that case more than any fan of any team should. So I kind of yeah. just think they were like, holy shit, this has never happened before. Strippers <laughs> and money. We got to react hard and we got to react. Yeah, hard. And that's what I'm saying. The perception of that case was much worse. Yeah. So that's what, if we use that same level of parameters for this one, I don't think that they, they can do the same thing. They can, they can they can hammer Louisville given the perception that Louisville has of well we did everything we could we got rid of everyone there literally is no one left that had anything to do with this and we are a better program are you going to punish the people who had nothing to do with it that looks bad on you and and I think the NCAA probably knows that and just the vibe I get from the people in college basketball I mean you're seeing Jeff Goodman tweet I I think it's going to be smaller punishments it seems like these schools that have already kind of taken their whipping it seems like the the i don't think that these guys would I mean, suggest these things if they don't have an idea about that the the, the question is if if they actually believe that or they're just kind of speaking that into existence because yes that's what they think should happen i mean that's obviously that seems like the logical conclusion for us because there is no there is no logical reason to punish players and coaches who weren't involved in violations I mean, yeah. and I mean, there's just not. You can you can have that debate of how do you punish a school who done so, who did something, but the, but there is no logical conclusion that you can come to in my mind that can say you know, Malik Williams, you weren't on campus when this happened, but you're not going to go to a tournament. Chris yeah. Mack, you weren't on campus when this happened, but your your recruiting class is going to suffer and everything you build is going to throw it at the track. Like, it, it, it doesn't make any sense, but the problem with having any discussion like this is that the NCA has never worked in logic. Right. <laughs> so, oh, I mean, right. Oh, we can spout and, and say everything we want, but I don't know, man. Like, we hope that after three to four years of scrutiny – that the NCAA has taken that they're they're going to react to this pretty logically, but all we can truly do is hope. I will say that I do think that whether this situation is handled properly or improperly, there is going to be a seismic shift going oh, yeah. forward. I, I think whether it's with Mark Emmert at the helm or not, um, this is kind of the defining moment and all of that. I think you're right. I think Mark Emmert is kind of a uh, is kind of a Goodell figure at this point. He kind of just is the is the the shield. He's the yeah. he's just sucks up all the hot air and yeah. But I mean, uh, the, largely the NFL NFL has made it through a lot. Yeah, of course. No, and I think the NCAA will too to to whatever degree. But yeah, you're right. It's it's at some point. You know, we've been talking about this for like five ten minutes. At some point, it's a fool's errand to yeah. talk about it uh so yeah so let's move on to the other uh super fun topic chris <laughs> uh amy mcgrath who on monday just literally after i said hey let's record tonight and you said no announced that she <laughs> running she announced that she is running in 2020 for the senate seat currently held by senate majority leader mitch mcconnell uh 
the nation's most powerful Cardinals fan. Um, so I, I, there's so much that's happened in the past, like 48 hours, 72 hours, uh, here that I think I'm just going to go through it chronologically. I, I told you that before we started recording, but yeah, just so just, everyone can know. Just introduce all these topics chronologically. So we're going to go through, I think we're going to go through chronologically. So we're going to happen. Excuse me. I think she actually announced on Tuesday. I apologize. Okay. And so she announces on Tuesday on MSNBC on Morning Joe uh, in the morning. And she gives this quote that just immediately set off a lot of warning signs for you and I. And, and I think people who live in this city and the state. I'm going to read the full quote because it's important. Uh, quote, if you think about why Kentuckians voted for Trump, Donald Trump, they wanted to drain the swamp. And Trump said that he was going to do that. Trump promised to bring back jobs. He promised to lower drug prices for the so many Kentuckians. And that is very important. And you know what? Who stops them along the way? Who stops the president from doing these things? Mitch McConnell. And I think that's, that that's very important. And that's going to be my message. The things that Kentuckians voted for, Trump are not being... The things that Kentucky's, Kentuckians voted for Trump for are not being done. He's not able to get it done because of Senate, Senator McConnell. Which is a lot, but we'll get to that. Let's just roll through these other things <laughs> and, and get it out. We'll come back and, we'll come back and get to it. So instantly, uh, the Courier-Journal like article was uh, Amy McGrath attempts to be pro-Trump Democrat. That's right. There was arguments all over Twitter. I thought that was the thing that like immediately latched on. Like Everything that happened today, I didn't think really became major headline news, but the whole Democrat for Trump thing totally launched on immediately. Yeah, I think locally, absolutely. I think nationally, maybe we didn't get that. Um, I, I don't know, but... I think, and we'll we'll get to later what I think is going to kind of resonate from now on. Um, so yeah, that was yesterday, and she says this morning that she's raised two point five million dollars in twenty four hours, an average donation of thirty six dollars and fifteen cents, which is absurd grassroots number. That's a Senate record. Uh, people from everywhere around the country are donating, wanting to get rid of Mitch McConnell. Kind of as an aside, it does really seem like the Senate, like the Democrats are going to try and make Mitch McConnell sort of what Republicans make Nancy Pelosi out to be this kind of demon. Um, we can talk about that if we want, but it, 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 this is definitely uh, a part of that. Okay, so that that happens today, and then and I then start, we get a then we get a day, we go to sleep, and we wake up. Yeah, and yeah. Mother so, friend happens. So we then we start to see. I, I started to uh, the first tweet I saw was from Joe Sanka of uh, Insider Louisville, and it was a picture of of Amy McGrath and his what appeared to be his office or some uh, some building um, or, or some meeting room in his building. And said, I've been talking to Amy McGrath for thirty minutes about all kinds of things. Uh, Let's, you know, I, I've got a, a question and answer coming out soon. I think the Courier Journals dropped first and they did this weird thing. I think they knew, they saw that Sanka was, was talking and uh, to him as like, we're going to post half of the interview now and then add the second half later. So okay. like I saw the first half of the interview before I left to work. And then as I was coming home, uh, Sanka posted his old interview. And then when I got home, the second half of Philip Bailey's um, of the Courier Journal's interview was posted. 
Uh, so they kind of cover the same things, but certainly I, I won't go in depth. She, she goes sort of more in depth about the fact that, um, uh, that she wants what's best for Kentucky and president Trump has good ideas. If they are good ideas, I'll vote for them. Blah, 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 blah. It's not about parties, blah, blah, blah. But the part in the courier journal interview, uh, which, which definitely, I think at this point and I think even nationally is getting huge, huge, you know, attention is where they talk about Brett Kavanaugh. And it's actually hilarious, Chris, because literally one year to the day, and I, yeah, I literally saw that tweet. just added it. One year to the day, she tweeted about Brett Kavanaugh um, that she was against, you know, she would she tweeted that she was concerned about his qualifications. Uh, seemed, she seemed to be concerned about the fact that he was uh, against women's right to choose, um, all that sort of thing. But I'll go ahead and I'm going to read the, the, this kind of word for word because, again, I think it's important. Uh, on the Brett Kavanaugh conver- uh, confirmation from the Courier-Journal, one of the centerpieces for Senator McConnell, McConnell's re-election campaign appears to be his work in reshaping the judiciary. Uh, if you had been a senator, would you have voted for Brett Kavanaugh to be on the court? Why or why not? She responds, well, that's a good question. First, first red flag here. I didn't listen to all the hearings. Lie. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there was anything. And, and aside, I'm not a lawyer or senator on the Judiciary Committee, so I don't know the criteria. But I was very concerned about Judge Kavanaugh, what I thought were the right, far-right stances he had. However, there was nothing in his record that I think would disqualify him in any way. And the fact is, when you have the president and the Senate, this is our system, so I don't think there was anything that would have disqualified him in my mind. The Courier-General response. Um, they talk about a few things. They, did you think Dr. Christine Blasey Ford's accusation of, of, of Judge Kavanaugh was credible? McGrath. I think, yes, I think it's credible. I think this is, and I think many Republicans thought it was credible. And, excuse me, Courier Journal, that was not disqualifying them. McGrath, well, I mean, I think, again, I think it's credible, but given the amount of time that lapsed in between and from a judicial standpoint, I don't think it would really disqualify him. Courier Journal, so you would have voted for him to be on Supreme Court. McGrath, you know, I think that with Judge Kavanaugh, I would have probably voted for him. So we get that. And then like two hours later, she tweets. I'm, I got to pull up the tweet exactly because it's just, it's. Hilarious. I mean, the, 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 the word for word tweet is probably the least important thing. About this. <laughs> okay, says, but you could pull up the She flip flops in the facts that upon further reflection, I would have voted no for Judge Kavanaugh. <laughs> So, so <laughs> you want to? We can start there and and move backwards. Let's start if there. Like. That that's the latest thing. And and I, Chris, what I've talked a lot in the last five minutes. So you, you no, yeah, you're good. You can take a breath. And you, you know, I I just the 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 funny like part for me is that I feel like if you're going to be a Senate leader and you're going to talk like your military career, you should also talk probably your like your your quick decision making. And, and your your ability to respond under pressure and, and, you know, to give the right answers. And if this is something that you've got to second guess about, then, I, I mean, I have sat here, Gabe, for, for two to three days ever since she, she kind of announced that she was going to run it and try to think of creative ways, brilliant ways to discuss this other than immediately what comes to mind other than anger and, you, you know, things like that. And, and I have nothing 
I, I just, I, I don't know what to say, man. Like, if if that is your response, yeah, then I feel like you're just kind of wasting people's time. It's it's I mean, really it, it it it's just the you're fact. gonna have to help me out here because I'm no, just I, I think even just to think about this, not and not to to put on my stupid MSNBC yeah, you can put it on pundit hat. It's the fact that this entire this entire like 48 72 hours that she's had has been all about what she isn't and what not what right. she is and uh, and and i'll interrupt you real quick no please do I'll, I'll, but the, for very basic starting terms for a democrat to beat mitch mcconnell the campaign has to be about mitch mcconnell it, it right. cannot be about the candidate running against mitch mcconnell that is basic level number yes. one no hey, question. It's a, go ahead. I, I, no, no, and and she's made, no to, to jump off that she's made it about herself. Right. She made it about the fact that um, she originally a year ago. Uh, my 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 belief and my legitimate thought is that I think she truly believed Dr. Ford's uh, testimony and Dr. Ford's accusation of, of uh, Justice Kavanaugh, and she believed that this person shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. But she knows that the people, the majority of people that um, that whose votes she is trying to take from Republicans from from voting for Mitch McConnell uh, probably disagree with that. So she's created a position. So I'm not the type. I am not a person who would have opposed Judge Kavanaugh. And she, everything has been. I am not a Democrat. I am not Nancy Pelosi. I am not. Uh, Good I am people not on both to, sides. I am not going to be an obstacle to President Trump. And. And I think I think our frustration and the frustration of a lot of people is we have been down this road so many times, Chris. We have been down this road with people who run and, and people who want to represent us who immediately try to appeal to voters that aren't going to vote for them. That just right. simply aren't going to vote for them. Yeah. And I, here's, here's the thing that I, you, you kind of like answered it there, but here's the thing that I want to hash out. We obviously like, when we hear a Democrat say they're a, a, a pro Trump Democrat, obviously that sends alarm bells off in our head oh, yeah. and you know, we're totally against something like that. But I, I do think it's important for us to, to hash out if that's a way you could effectively win an election in Kentucky. And I don't think that is. And I don't think that's a perceived bias coming through for me. But I, I don't think there's many Republicans who voted for Trump that are going to vote against Mitch McConnell and vote for her because she says she supports Donald Trump. Like, I, I don't see many people that are against Mitch McConnell but are for Donald Trump. She wants to make this campaign that Mitch McConnell has, you know, stopped hurt him from doing stuff. But in a lot of ways, Mitch McConnell has coddled Trump and, and, and allowed him to do yeah. it. But, but listen, I get, I get it. Listen, Mitch McConnell is incredibly unpopular in the state and incredibly unpopular nationally. But President Trump is favorability ratings hits like 60% to 35 or whatever. And it's, came, it's came down some, but it's come it's, down it's some, but I get what she's trying to do. I, there, I, I disagree a little bit with you, Chris. There has to be some people who would have voted for Trump that would vote for her. There have to be mathematically. But because, I, and because if there isn't, then this, this whole like, uh, 
a way that she's approaching this campaign, somebody's got to be telling her to approach it this way, right? Yes, but I think the way that she's approached it has actually done the opposite of what she wants to do. She's turned off the people who would have voted for her from that side because she's flip-flopping and she's already turned off all of the people who uh, who maybe would have voted for her, the non-voters, the, the electorate to be expanded um, with the fact that she's not coming in strong on some of some, you know, some left of center, not even far left, some left of center <laughs> the idea. So, I mean, uh, the, the question becomes essentially is how do you become Rocky Atkins, but also have like some Adam Elin appeal? Exactly. Like, because because that's, 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 that's what you've got to walk, right? I mean, we can, sit, we can sit here and talk about how much she has fumbled this entire campaign in the last 48 hours because Lord knows she has. But, I mean, we could have a serious discussion about how you walk this tightrope in the bluegrass state because it is it is challenging to it's do. It's really hard. It's not no one is saying it no one is saying it's easy. I, I think the frustration I have is that consistently with statewide people who are running for office, the first step that goes forward is the one to reach across that aisle. It's always first step hey, I'm not a Democrat. I'm a person. I just happen to be registered this way. Right. I wish, and, and, and there truly are ways to talk to people. And, and listen, we make fun of Matt Jones a lot in this podcast. But I believe to some degree what he says in that we, when you compare Democrats and Republicans, they agree on 80% of, of topics. It's the 20% that is the divisions. And she's focusing on the 20%. She's she's not focusing on the 80%. She's not focusing on the topics and she's not talking in a way that can be friendly to the, to the, to the base that she needs to, to, to come out in heavy droves, the democratic base and even younger voters. I, 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 I've got stats on younger voters. I can pull those out. That's where to me, quote, legitimately, I think that's a much more important focus on getting younger people to have, older people levels of turnout than focus on older people's to come vote for you when they're not so sure about it. I, I just know when you look at someone like me and, and Annie Bashir's elected and that's, that's a punch to the gut. Uh, unfortunately it is. I, I'll vote for Annie Bashir because at this point, you know, obviously the, the goal for me personally is to defeat Matt Bevan. I'll yeah, of course. Vote for him. But that's a punch to the gut. And then something like this happens and my God, it's, it's a knockout. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and for a lot of younger voters, this kind of just makes them despondent. It, it doesn't, doesn't engage them. It just makes them feel hopeless. So I, I think at this point, if you're going to look at it and say, what is their, you know, for her to overcome, obviously, there's a lot of challenges at this point. But the first one is to reinvigorate some of these people that have already just fallen off the map and been like, you know, what the hell? <laughs> Why do I even care? Which, I mean, good luck. Uh, good, yeah. good luck on that to her. And we kind of talked before you asked me, do you think anyone else is going to run? I think at this point, someone else is. Did you think before? I did initially announce after I saw the after I saw the totals of fundraising I did not but I think that this level of botchness I think someone could come in and be like 
she's disqualified herself. Yeah, so who do we have? We got Rocky Atkins, Matt Jones, anybody else out there? I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think someone else is going to come in and they're going to say, because this is the reality, every single Mitch McConnell ad is going to be, okay, she told the Courier, she said a year ago that she wouldn't have voted for him. Yeah. She told the Courier Journal, oh, wait, I would have. And then she tweets an hour later, oh, no, 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 after further reflection, I would, I would have said no. That's, that's a knockout blow. That's in, that's every ad and and Mitch McConnell. She's absolutely right. Mitch McConnell gets more thir- you know, gets more outside money than anyone else. Gets more corporation money than anyone else, and that's going to be on every station across the Commonwealth. So why 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 would we put her forward if that's a winning message? Yeah, that's I mean the whole, the webs a- the website is already Rome Path McGrath. <laughs> what? Which, uh, yeah, there's there's I I don't know. I just popped this up because I was actually trying to I I know there are people challenging Amy McGrath in the primary, but I couldn't come up with their names and I was actually Yeah, there's like a smaller yeah. uh, really progressive dude, but obviously he has uh, kind of real support. I, w- I was trying to research that and I I'm assuming it's probably some type of pack because it has pictures of Elizabeth Warren and AOC. Oh yeah, AOC and, man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> she she represents my grandma's district. In Queens, but she absolutely has <laughs> everything to do with the Democratic Party in Kentucky. Okay, no, this is actually paid for by the McConnell Senate Committee. Of course. So the, the website, yeah, it's Rome Path McGrath. Um, so that's up. And, but there's uh, one thing I one thing I wanted to say, and I sort of had this note. That sort of you, want to, you want to talk a little bit about the campaign contribution? The campaign contribution, and just in general, in, in general, sort of what I, what I witnessed the national landscape be in the in the past 48 hours for McGrath and there was real excitement for her from outside people that no kidding no kidding outside people I mean you had you know Adam Scott of uh of Big Little Lies and Parks and Recreation (laughs) like retweeting her video and there is a legitimate belief that okay we're gonna give a ton of money to the person who can beat Mitch McConnell and we're gonna show him and I hate I, I just get bummed about this because I know I know what the result's going to be now, Chris. I know it's the people are going to put all this energy into this and then it's going to go right back to where it is, where it's like stupid Kentucky. They can't get Mitch McConnell out of there, even though he's so unpopular. Oh, yeah. uh, blame Kentucky. It's, it's Kentucky's fault for not doing this. And it's my, people who are in much more liberal areas who – you know, live in the benefit of, uh, of, of having government that, that represents them more fairly and, and represents them the way that they want to be represented. And it just, it, it's, it's not like a problem. It's just a frustration I have because I see it all the time. I see it all the time on Twitter. I see people who, uh, they, 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 they blame Kentucky for the problems that are, that are, you know, befuddling the government in general. It, 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 it's kind of like fake activism. It's fake activism. And it's <laughs> not understanding like the, the fundamental issues and reasons why things are the way they are. So yeah, I, I like, I would love to see the average, do- like where are the donations coming from? I would bet you that over 20% of them, maybe close to 40% of them are coming from New York and California. It's just people who are like hashtag resist in their, in, in their Twitter accounts, which, you know, shout out to you, you know, we're, we're here for the revolution. That's cool. But, <laughs> but these people are like, I'm going to give 50 bucks to Amy McGrath and she's going to beat Mitch McConnell because of my 50 bucks. Right. And if she doesn't, it's Kentucky's fault. 
No, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is is not not something that I have a really, like, strong opinion on, but it is an interesting, like, way that you kind of point it is, is like, you know, I'm I'm far away from this, but I can throw money at it and... and Which works in some situations. I mean, but, like, you'll see it happen for, like... I don't know. I, 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 I've seen it happen. You saw it happen with beta with like people. Just that's that's, that's what I was going to bring up. Is, is this is the kind of the same thing that happened there? I assume. Yeah. Yeah. But not, I, I think the aftermath was like, Oh, Oh, he should run for president. <laughs> that's not turned out so great. That's, that's like this new, like weird, like thing that I've seen come up. It's even came up with like Amy McGrath to a, a lesser extent that, you know, if you're slightly competitive in a very Republican state, well, then maybe you should just run for president. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's that's like a whole weird thing for me. Um, I There was, man, you just made me think of go down the whole <laughs> rabbit hole. There was some guy that kept showing up on my Twitter timeline that was essentially saying that uh, something about the, the Democrats were basically just – going to be very careful about putting like their money behind candidates that they didn't think were capable of winning in very like, you know, Republican heavy states and that they should basically just run for president. That would be a lot more effective. <laughs> and like this guy was like a noter reporter and that, I don't know, that was like a weird, it had like, to have been a joke. It had to have been a joke. No, yeah, someone, jo- like someone a- joked about the fact that she, if, if she was running for president, she would have qualified for the debates at the end of the month based yeah. on the fact that she raised $2.5 million. Yeah. No, maybe, but that, maybe that's what just, it was. Just to bring it back to her. I, I don't know. I just, she's like I said, she started off this election talking about what she isn't. And and I think what made her so, so legitimately interesting and intriguing as a candidate is who she is. And, and yeah, she plays up the American flag thing. She plays up the fact that she was a fighter pilot and that story. And that's, that's, which is, I mean, a great, it's a great start. It's a great start. And, And I think it is the type of story that, that, you know, can attract people from the other side, but she's just spent so much time saying, I'm not, this but so uh, think about this in your lifetime who has been a democrat in the state of kentucky that you actually thought could run against mitch mcconnell and beat him because there's there's only been know. one for me and that's that's yarmouth if, if he ran against him i i think he would have a legitimate shot obviously that's never gonna happen that's but, never gonna happen but i, I mean I, I i don't i i think i think he'd probably have a better chance than most people but. Yeah, like it's just like the lack of like strong Democrats in the state of Kentucky. That's kind of where we come back to. I mean, I would love to see Attica Scott run. Obviously, I, I don't yeah, think that's course. ever going to happen. But I mean, no, you're right. I think it has to be a type of person who's an outsider. It has to be a person. I don't know. It's it has to be <laughs> the type of people who you know who don't who who can can bring people together i i don't know man it's it's hard it's do we want to do, do you have any comments on on matt jones basically saying that this is kind of like who the establishment chosen and he hasn't ruled out running like yeah and 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 it's that's funny you mentioned and we talked about it before she kind uh mcgrath mentions i think it was in the insider louisville article that she wasn't recruited which i mean politico.com and and a lot of other very well respected outlets in Washington, D.C. said she, she, she met with 
you know, with, uh, um, with the Senate majority leader. Um, it's so and, frustrating though. Like, uh, like uh, why? <laughs> I just, I, I'm literally like, obviously you guys can see me. I'm literally like hanging my head right now. Why <laughs> in the world do you, do you want to recruit her to run? Why is she your first choice? Why are you saying that in 2019, a Democrat who supports Trump can go in Kentucky and be competitive, and that's who we're going to put our money behind. Like, I do – that does not make sense. There, the, the, there has to be, like – we're going to talk in circles here, but there has to be, like, something that one of us is missing that uh, I, I, I'm not seeing because that, that doesn't make sense to me. You, you don't say that the, the mishaps that we've had in the last 48 hours – that is your first choice. Hey man, it, it's it. Yeah, you're right. We're, we we definitely keep coming around to this. It's 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 hard. And, and but I mean, to be fair, the Kentucky Democratic Party hasn't done a great job of selecting people either. I just yeah, I just don't want to sit here and be like, you know, God damn it, the Kentucky Democrats are doing this again. But it, it's what else can you do, man? Like, you can't. And, but I just I don't understand. We've been here. We. When has this strategy worked? You're right. I think that's the crux of what we're saying here. When Put is it full circle again? And just to go back to what you're saying, and this is this is going to be, this is a controversial type at this point. I want Matt Jones to run at this point. I want someone to hold her feet to the fire. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, I hope Rocky Atkins runs. There was, Dude, I'm, uh, there's been whispers about Edelin running. I don't think he's going to, but I've heard some people suggest on Twitter that he might. I, I, I don't think he will. I would love for him to run. Go back and listen to the things I was saying two months ago. Then go back and hear me say this. I am all in on Rocky Atkins running. And that, like, uh, to say that right now. It's so weird because of the things I was saying like two months ago, but my goodness, at this point, it would shake things up. It would shake things up. It would shake things up. No question. So yeah, we've talked about we've talked this one into the ground. We have talked it into the ground, but man, there's a lot of frustration, a lot of angst that I got released there. So I appreciate that. No, we had to. We had to do it, Chris. We had to do it. Uh, Before we wrap this thing up, uh, do you want to talk about? the UofL tennis coach, Rex Garma. Yeah, I, I do actually just want to like discuss this briefly. It's not like no, a big, big it's not topic, a big deal, but it's interesting. I think it's interesting. No, it is interesting to me because like, I'm going to be like transparent with you. I don't really have much of an opinion on like the tennis coach at Louisville. Like, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's set this up really quick. Yeah. Talk about it. So, uh, there was, I think it was like a week ago, uh, Louisville, or a week and a half ago, I think it was the end. Not, it seems like it's been a month ago at this point. It's been a while. Uh, the Louisville administration athletic department mentioned that Rex Karma, the uh, the tennis coach, is on probation or is being investigated for some kind of allegation. It seemed that we don't know anything about it. It seemed at first I was like, oh, this has something to do with a player, and then it didn't. And then he immediately, like that night after the news came out, started tweeting. Like, my man was straight up tweeting through it. My man was tweeting through it and still is, Chris. He still is tweeting through it. He literally tweeted, hey, here's me and a recruit next year that's going to be dope. I was like, wait, what? 
<laughs> I did not see that tweet. Was we that was that talk- today or in the last few days? I think it was like yesterday. <laughs> I think we wanted to talk about it because it's interesting in the fact that it's like this is the first quote unquote like real scandal for Vince Tyra. Yeah. And so uh, apparently like mobile has a real tennis community. Oh yeah. I had, I had no yeah, I idea. Hear, I want you to mention this. <laughs> I had no idea that this was a thing. So shout out Billy Reed. I'm from the South side of mobile. I didn't know that people played tennis. Um, but people do. So I've had like legitimately, like I, I've had people in the last two weeks, three people that are uh, the latest was a tennis coach at a prominent high school in Mobile. Uh, very in, my, in my DMs asking me about kind of this situation. And I'm like, dude, I, I really don't know what's going on. As far as I know, he's still the coach at Louisville. He's listed on the, the athletic site and everything's good. And this person seemed to not know. So that that does, yeah. that strikes me as this person is probably very prominent in the tennis community and they don't know. <laughs> yeah. So like my whole thing is isn't really about him, but it's more about you know, when Vince Tyre was, was hired, we had this very like strong outward of we're going to be transparent. We're going to have these press conferences. I can't remember what it was, but there was a slight like very like a little scandal that happened that Vince Tower had a press conference before a basketball game. And man, it is going to kill me that I can't remember what it exactly was regarding, but it was something very small. I want to say, was it lacrosse? It was women's lacrosse. It may it? have been women's lacrosse. He had it before or women's soccer bat- or women's soccer. It was, it was one of those two things. Okay. But nevertheless, you know, he had a press conference that day and announced it was like, we're going to have this for the basketball game. We're going to answer all these questions. This is going to be the message going forward. And it's just weird to me that there has been no public, like, conversation about this. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's that's kind of the take. That's really it. Like, it, it, it's been silent on the home front about this whole thing. And, and I don't know. That just kind of makes me – I feel a little odd that you've had this. You've had the the quality control coach who who had the theft charges that you Courtney haven't really Brasno, had. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't even remember his name. Honestly. I pulled that but, out of my yeah. ass. <laughs> you, you've had those two things happen, and you really haven't had much acknowledgement from Vince Dowry. You may have had a few comments on, like, you know, to, to yeah. special media outlets, but you haven't really had a – press conference saying this is what's going on this is what we're doing and yeah and the football coaching thing especially I mean yeah. we're, we're talking about tennis which I, I, I don't think a lot of our listeners really care about but like the football coach thing I think is a story and I've not I've seen limited things about that really limited yeah. things so yeah I'm right there with you it has been interesting but I will say I bet if you ask Vince Tyree and Vince Tyree has done interviews with people locally recently not been asked about these things and I think if he was asked he'd probably say this is an open investigation or something like that so I don't know how much you can say um but it has been interesting and, and especially I mean, just when saying we like something back. like this is saying that would be worth it I mean yeah In full, like, disclosure, I'm kind of, like, pulling a little bit and digging a little bit for a story here because it's in the middle of fucking June and we need something (laughs) to talk about. I'm not going to lie, but (laughs) July, yeah. (laughs) But generally, like, no, no, seriously, like, it it is interesting to me that you've had these two, like, 
not very serious things, but things that make you raise your eyebrows and they've kind of been largely ignored. I mean, no, I think you're right. And it's, it's, you know, interesting. Not, in, I don't know. It's, it is, it is, it has been weird. It has been weird. And, and I hope had, to tie this back to NCAA, I, I sincerely hope that Vince Tyree is, is, is incredibly transparent to that process because people yeah. will really care. And maybe you can be a little opaque with the tennis coach. Yeah. You can't do that with the NCAA investigation that could potentially decide if we have a postseason ban this year or next year. Can't At this point, we deserve that. I mean, my God, we need to know everything. Oh, we got to know everything. We got another full exam. One last thing before we go, Chris, <laughs> um, is replacing the seats. Uh, at I already knew where you were going. Vince Tyree's biggest success since he's taken over at Louisville and, and why. <laughs> I wish I could make the sound of the mic to tap it, but no. <laughs> no. That's all we got to say about that one, Chris. I think I think we can close it out there. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, appreciate, you know, we, we took a little, we had a hiatus last week with the holiday. We're back this week and we letting you guys know we have some exciting things coming forward. Chris and I have been talking, some new things are coming. Some exciting things are coming. Get hyped. Uh, we're looking forward to, to riding out the rest of this summer with all of you guys, this dead period. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Chris, as always. Cheers guys. Cheers guys. Take care.